Hello and welcome to Just Another Gala. It's June 20th and you're listening to episode 17 of your Ottawa Theatre Weekly Podcast. I'm Jessica Ruano. And I'm Kat Fournier. The Ottawa Fringe Festival has been lighting up Ottawa since last Thursday, and local audiences have had the opportunity to see dozens of shows from around the world, ranging from the good to the bad to the WTF. We've got fringe news, reviews, and previews, so keep listening. So big news on Broadway this week. Uh, The Tony Awards uh, took place last Sunday. Uh, The musical Hamilton scooped up 11 Tony Awards, which is the most the musical has ever received. So um, Hamilton has already been selling extremely well. So if you wanted tickets, uh, you may have even less of a chance. But keep trying, as I've heard of people in Ottawa uh, getting tickets and going in September, October, so you may still have a chance. And a great thing they did during the Tonys was um, they were doing... Uh, you know, performance of one of their songs called uh, My Shot, and they decided not to use guns in this live presentation in recognition of the Orlando shooting that saw the loss of over 50 LGBTQ people of color um, in Orlando, Florida. Uh, also, the show's creator and lead performer, Lynn manuel Miranda, also shared a moving tribute to the victims in the form of a sonnet when he accepted his award. So we're going to play that sonnet now. My wife's the reason anything gets done. She nudges me towards promise by degrees. She is a perfect symphony of one. Our son is her most beautiful reprise. We chase the melodies that seem to find us until they're finished songs and start to play. When senseless acts of tragedy remind us that nothing here is promised. Not one day. The show is proof that history remembers. We live through times when hate and fear seem stronger. We rise and fall and light from dying embers, remembrances that hope and love last longer. And love is 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 love cannot be killed or swept aside. I sing Vanessa's symphony. Eliza tells her story. Now fill the world with music, love, and pride. Thank you so much for this. So I think it's incredibly moving and congratulations to Lin-Manuel for all the awards and for a truly great performance. And it's nice to see such, such empathetic, sensitive, wonderful people involved in the, the New York theater community. If you're a creator in Ottawa, the Fresh Meat Festival applications are due on July 1st. Fresh Meat Festival is really known as a testing ground for new work. So if you're a new artist or you're testing something new, uh, this could be uh, the place for you. So they're looking for ideas that are original and innovative and test the traditional boundaries of theater. Fresh Meat 5 takes place in October between the 13th and 15th and then the 20th and 22nd. The Luminato Festival has been on in Toronto for the last 10 days and continues until the 26th of June. So if you're in the neighborhood, be sure to check out the James Plays Trilogy by Rona Monroe. Uh, Following sold-out runs in London, Edinburgh, Glasgow, and Adelaide, this five-star modern classic, hailed as a huge theatrical event and some of the finest history plays ever penned, makes its only North American stop at the Luminato Festival in a brand new 1,200-seat theater at the iconic generating station. So check out luminatofestival.com for details. Now that we've got all of that out of the way, let's turn our focus on the Ottawa Fringe Festival. So the Ottawa Fringe Festival was founded in 1996 and the shows have always been chosen by lottery. So this is its 20th anniversary and the Fringe has been posting on its Facebook page some like fun facts about Mm -hmm. shows from past years and I was particularly intrigued by this one year, 2002, this was the sixth Ottawa Fringe Festival and they had a number of uh, companies such as Rivet's Republic, 
Third Wall Theater Company, Black Sheep Theater, um, artist Jem Rolls, and also Rochelle Ellie all performed that year. And all five of these artists slash companies are back this year with new shows. So that's Whoa. really lovely to see like the evolution of these artists and what they're up to next. So Crazy. Uh, a lot to look forward to. Kat and I managed to see several shows over the course of our time here. And we're still going to see several more before the festival is up. So uh, stay tuned for our next section where we talk about uh, reviews of these shows. Firstly, I just wanted to mention Alan Neal's awesome coverage of the Fringe Festival and As It Happens. Yeah, Alan's great, isn't he? He kind of chooses like themes for mm-hmm. the festival, like let's do a day on clowning, let's mm-hmm. do a day on... Uh, people talking about their personal stories of of illnesses Mm -hmm. and then really explores those in depth. So I think today he had, uh, was it Blindside and Lovely Lady Lumps. Right, talking Mm -hmm. about their experiences with different forms of cancer and how that's affected Mm -hmm. their lives. Yeah, and what a great way to get new audiences into the performance. I remember hearing about the clown shows and uh, just a friend who doesn't do theater at all was trying to lecture me, not that I know that much about Jack LeCocq and like physical theater training, but he was trying to tell me about this awesome Have lifestyle. Have you heard of this? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> so that was really cool. So to get actually people excited about clowns, and I was like, I've been trying to tell you clowns were cool for years. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway. There are clown festivals with all kinds of clowning people. Yeah. So yeah, lots to see at the Fringe mm-hmm. this year. So um, Kat and I have been reviewing a few shows for the Apartment 613's Fully Fringe, which is a website that covers all the Fringe shows at the festival. They receive at least one review. Some receive... Uh, two or more. Um, so we have, uh, you know, the shows May I Have This Dance, Grade 8, uh, Something More Glamorous, and Cardinal. Our reviews are on the site. Mm-hmm. And so we thought we would also we would talk about on this show some of the things that we haven't published with mm-hmm. Fully Fringed. So we've seen, um, let's see, we've got six shows we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. And we would also love to hear your thoughts and your reviews. So if you have any comments afterwards about what you thought of the shows that we saw, or if you have other ones you want to recommend, you know, feel free to tell us on our Facebook page or on our SoundCloud page. We're mm-hmm. happy to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Um, so one show I wanted to mention that I saw actually just now, not even an hour ago, uh, it's called Blind Sides. That's the one we mentioned that was on Alan Neal's show earlier today. The performer is Stephanie Morin-Roberts, and she is uh, from Ontario originally. Um, she grew up in Timmins, and I think she is based in Montreal now, or seems to do a lot of work there at least. So she's been taking this show um, you know, across North America. She was in Orlando recently for the Fringe Festival there. And this is a show about uh, having uh, cancer as a child, and the result of that being that she had to uh, lose an eye. So she had one of her eyes taken out and was replaced with a glass eye, which is actually an acrylic eye because they don't make glass eyes anymore. They're actually tremendously dangerous because they could break Ooh. inside your head. <laughs> so um, it's, I learned a lot from this show because I knew very little about glass eyes and how they work. And, you know, this was a really a no-frills show. Uh, Stephanie was on stage with her microphone in the middle, and there was a projection screen. And then off to the other side, um, there was a camera. So when she looked into the camera, her face appeared very close up on the screen. So she basically, it's a storytelling show. She tells stories of being seven or eight years old, um, about her family, about being in hospital, about uh, the Make-A-Wish Foundation and how she was... Um, I don't even want to like tell this joke because I might make it sound bad, but just that, that, you know, there were kids who had terminal cancer, which she did not have, and they always got the Make-A-Wish stuff that she wanted, and she felt jealous that they were getting like the trips to Disney World and things, and <laughs> she makes some like really inappropriate jokes, but they go over really, really well because she has this like really charming 
innocent, charismatic personality. And she was just absolutely delightful to watch. I mean, again, there's not much to the show aside from just her on stage telling her stories. Mm. But for Mm. me, that was enough. I Mm. I really enjoyed watching her. And she tells stories about going to summer camp and starting school and being afraid that people will, like, notice that she has a glass eye and tease her for it. And she's just very, like, conscious about that. And um, and so she has these different moments where she's either at the microphone or at the camera. She's a bit of uh, dancing in the show as well. Uh, for me, the dancing didn't add too much, but it was lovely to watch her using her body in that way. And it was just like a nice, maybe a little break from each of the stories. So that was kind of interesting. And uh, I probably should warn you, there is a point in the show where she takes out her eye. Mm-hmm. Um, but that happens sort of near the end. And by that point, you've kind of heard so many like, funny eye stories that you're almost looking forward to it like you're like she's gonna do it she's gonna do it at some point and then she does and it's like really gratifying yeah um so yeah I'd say just go see it she's tremendously charming and I felt like her new like zest for life after having seen that show I mean you and I talked briefly about the idea of like what works really well during a fringe show Mm -hmm. and there is really something about this medium I feel like fringe is its own medium like you have to kind of create for that space and there's something about like straight storytelling that functions so well. Like you see other performers doing it. I mean, uh, grade eight was, was based in storytelling. Absolutely. Yeah. He just, he just sat there and told his story and his only props were like a photo Mm -hmm. album and a couple of chairs. So gem rolls known for his enthusiastic Mm -hmm. documentary style delivery. Yeah. So there really is something about that. So, um, I sometimes yeah. feel that, like, um, I mean, this thing is, it's the same with, uh, I think when people talk about slam poetry, mm-hmm. there is no slam poetry. There's spoken word poetry. Mm-hmm. Slam is a competition. There's no certain style. But styles do evolve out of a medium that seems to mm-hmm. applaud or celebrate certain types of performance. So, like, like there's no specific fringe style that's been established, but people sort of see, like, oh, yeah, that works in the fringe, that right. doesn't. So, yeah. And so you see shows that, you know, are definitely have a, are a lot more, like, design heavy or different elements like that and that can be wonderful or it can be a complete train wreck so and also to keep in mind that fringe artists only have a few hours in the space beforehand to do Mm. all their tech so if the lighting is too complicated like yeah you kind of don't want to go there isn't the the rigging set for like the venue like so they're not not, so there's also that limitation you can get like one special light that's different from other people's but you kind of don't want to mess around too much Mm. i mean when I did my friend show, I, I like moved the seats around. I had to like get the set out. Like, like that was kind of important for the way we had staged it, but I was like pretty exhausted. So the less you can do, the better, yeah. honestly. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So, so we're going to move on to everybody dies in December. Um, and my transition is going to be, this is somebody who knows how to work this medium to her advantage. So Nancy Kenny is known for touring her show, uh, roller derby saved my soul. soul? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say life, but that's not right. Uh, so writer performer, Nancy Kenny, who is based out of Ottawa, I do believe, uh, now returns with her new play, everybody dies in December where she plays Claire Sinclair, uh, who is, uh, employed at Sinclair family funeral services. So this is her family's funeral home where she's a co-owner, I do believe. And, um, it's just like Claire is, is this unbelievably dry, uh, dark-humored person who finds uh, real friendships uh, with these dead bodies that come through uh, her door. So it's a really unconventional story, and there's a lot of really funny moments. I'm going to read a line, which I thought was really funny. Go it kind of sets it. the tone. Once you've had a dead stranger's poop in your mouth... There's not much that can phase you. So this is this is the kind of thing. A lot of dead dead person embalming humor, um, and it works. She's she's dry and and she has this tone that takes up that spans the whole play. 
And then there's these really small moments of wink nudge humor throughout. So she's sort of sitting in the chair in the back of the room, taking a call to go pick up a dead body. She appears totally sympathetic, gets up and flushes the toilet. So, so she uses that sort of like the, the really simple staging mm-hmm. and uh, is able to kind of like uh, toy with our suspension of disbelief and, and to do these really like subtle humor type of things, which I really enjoyed. And then the real gem here is that there is like an underlying thing underneath the story. Um, and it's, it's really about her loneliness as more and more of these dead bodies come through her, her, I guess, embalming room, if that's what it's called. Mm -hmm. Um, you find out that she's, she seems like a really deeply lonely human. It feels like really almost creepy that she's having these attachments one after another, finally sort of bearing her soul while, while aspects of her life are, are unfolding in a rather unpleasant way. What I found really interesting about this character was was her sense of optimism that, you know, when she's talking about wanting to have a child one day mm. and and how she feels it would be perfectly acceptable to grow up mm. in a in a funeral mm. home and how she, she got a lot out of it. And then when she's talking about, you know, to this one dead body who is um who is a teenager, I think, who's committed suicide and just saying, Why why would you do it? Mm-hmm. And having this really beautiful, sensitive, mm-hmm. vulnerable moment mm-hmm. and and, and saying, like, there's so much beauty in the world. Mm-hmm. And she says this as a person who's surrounded by death all the time. Yeah. She recognizes all this yeah. beauty. And I found that incredibly moving. And I think, mm-hmm. honestly, I've seen Nancy perform in shows over the years and write her own shows. And when she was starting out, I mean, she was trying some stuff. It was cool. Like, it was, you know, someone doing a friend show. Great. But she has evolved so much to the point where I am just blown away by what she's come up with and mm-hmm. where her imagination goes and the kind of characters that she mm-hmm. that she creates. I just mm-hmm. I just think that they're so memorable and I you know, I would happily spend more time with this woman despite how depressing she is. Like yeah. I just I found her tremendously yeah. endearing. And uh, you know, I, I found that the staging as simplistic as it was played as you say with our suspension of disbelief and different ideas of theatricality mm-hmm. and um you know, and she just moved around the stage and gave herself these like little sections to speak in, like mm. you know, this little spotlight, this little spotlight, and had this moment where she was just um, inhaling, exhaling this electronic cigarette mm. and letting the smoke fill the room and playing with the smoke with her fingers. And um, yeah, so just these, these beautiful little moments. Um, I think, honestly, my, my only like tiny little thing about the show was that I wish the ending had given me more of a moment of peace yeah there was not there's not really a conclusion it's sort of yes. hung in the air you almost yes. felt like it should keep going yes it felt like mm-hmm. a little bit just too cut off and mm-hmm. i wanted i wanted a moment to exhale mm-hmm. and that's that was it honestly mm-hmm. otherwise I, I think this performance was incredibly well done and i hope that she continues with it yeah absolutely so so much good there i i hope you guys do get a chance to see it it does close wednesday yes only so. one performance i think there's one like Right now as we're recording, so sorry about that. Um, but it was one more, so do see yeah. it. And she'll be touring around uh, Canada with this as well. Yeah. So, And as a special treat, Nancy Kenny will be joining us in the next podcast. Yes, she has just confirmed that. Because um, Nancy, I've been chatting to her a little bit, and she has all these great observations about the Fringe Festival this year and sort of um, new things that we're doing. And she also is uh, working on a documentary about Fringe Festivals in general. And so I would love to hear her thoughts on mm-hmm. how Fringe has evolved over the years in Canada and elsewhere. And so we're going to have her on the show to talk about those things. So cool. So next is Gary. Yeah. So this is a show called Gary, and Gary never appears in the show because Gary is dead. 
uh, the three characters who are in the show have just come from Gary's funeral. He is the uncle of the character played by Chelsea Young, um, and she is uh, with her, her boyfriend, played by Corey Thibbert, and then his best friend, Tony Adams. So they're all together in Gary's apartment packing up his stuff. And uh, it's, it's kind of depressing because nobody really came to this wake. Um, he, uh, Gary was gay. And I believe the family is Mormon. And so there was some reluctance to acknowledge him for who he was. And uh, so people didn't come. The sandwiches were wasted. And it was kind of a bit of a sad occasion. So now they're kind of like packing up his stuff, figuring out what to keep, what's going to leave. And, and he, let, he never left a will. So they're trying to think like, oh, what should we keep? And so it kind of goes on that vein for a little while. It takes an interesting turn for the sexier, um, when the three characters start to realize their attraction for each other. So I might leave the plot line there, but let's just say if anybody knows Tony and Chelsea and Corey um, as actors and as, as friends, you know they work together and, 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 been, and been in each other's lives for quite some time. And to me, it wasn't surprising that the show led in this direction. And I think a lot of us in the audience were kind of waiting for that. So it's kind of like... <laughs> <laughs> they they all sort of get a little bit comfortable with each other and then oh, it becomes well, I guess the, the poster in and of itself is a bit of a hint. Yeah, there's there's like two like semi-naked men on the poster and mm-hmm. there's a girl wearing some like revealing mm-hmm. clothing and mm-hmm. like yeah. And but the great thing about where it goes is that it's not just about like the, the you know the sexual aspect of their relationship but what that inspires them to do. So suddenly they have all these things that they've been like holding back and repressing in their lives. Like they're unhappy with this, unhappy with that. And then this sort of leads to this sort of like explosion of self. Like, oh my goodness, there's these things that we can do. Our lives can be different. We can change this narrative. And it's like really exciting and empowering. And so it's, it's like silly in all the right ways. It's kind of like, uncomfortable and sexy at the same time. I think that's what they were going for. So good for them. Um, there were like, it could use like a, maybe a, a bit of tightening up in certain places. I don't know if they had a director involved. I didn't see one listed. Mm. So I kind of assumed it was the three of them working together. So there might have been a couple things that were like, they went on a bit about Gary a bit too much. Mm-hmm. And it almost felt like the show wasn't really about him. So yeah, why, why labor the on that? Line there. Why start there when you end up elsewhere? Um, I, I think that was just sort of the premise. And I guess the idea being that like, Gary died in a rather unusual way and it sort of made them realize that they should be like living their life to the full potential. So, so it really was just the yeah, spark. Yeah, yeah. So it was like a good place to start, but they kind of go on about Gary's life for a while. And I and as, as funny as it was in the moment, it didn't seem to add too much to the narrative. So mm-hmm. little things like that. But mm-hmm. honestly, if, you're, if you want to go for a good time and see some like, like a bit of make outage, like check out this show. It's, it's really good fun. And I, I think these actors work really well together. So oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Now, another show that we both saw was Alpha Delta 86 um, from Ken Ducks Fly. And, and this are... is one that plays through until Sunday. Yeah, so good. So you got, got more chances to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and these two ladies are from across the ocean, from Barcelona, uh, Barcelona mm-hmm. and from Portugal. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny, actually. I was just saying to the, um, the, uh, the, the Portuguese uh, actor that I was in Portugal recently, and I happened to be in her neighborhood where I no was way. staying. Yeah, so she knew about like that crazy bridge to get to the beach. And mm-hmm. I thought, how funny is that? Um, so yeah, <laughs> so this is a show about it's two clowns. They're not wearing clown noses. They're mm-hmm. wearing overalls, but they're definitely clown types. And they run this interesting sort of business where they have to like listen into people's like phone messages mm-hmm. and then figure out how in love they are. And then 
take action on it. Yeah. And basically, it's a bad thing to be in love. Yeah. So it's they, like, it's yeah. a little bit post-apocalyptic. Yes. And that there's some sort of like, you think that there there's some sort of virus outbreak and they have to sort of quarantine people. Um, and these really two inept clowns are tasked with being like the de facto spies. Spy? Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Guess. Like spies investigators. Like, yeah. And so they're they're ta- and they're they're not doing a really great job at, at it, but um, you soon find out that the thing that that people are infected with is love, and it adds this nuance to me. Okay, so firstly, like their ability to really embrace the spirit of play and spontaneity and uh, presence was so clear. They had such a facility uh, in this piece, and I really liked that they used a fairly simple premise and then uh, let these characters really live in it. So that yes. worked out really, really nicely. And they really played with the audience. Like, yeah. they had the audience get involved. They got mm-hmm. one guy up on stage. If you're afraid of audience interaction, like, I'm sorry, but, they, like, it, I think it's great. And they, <laughs> they did it really, really well. It was nothing embarrassing, nothing weird about it. After a while, I started to get the sense, and I don't know if it was um, the fact that the, the Orlando shootings are in such, like, close proximity and have had set, set such a reverberation, but this idea of... Given giving a clown treatment to the idea of of somebody, some people being, I guess, targeted because of their love, something like love. I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah. Wow. To me, I was just sitting there and I was like, this is so moving. Um, and to me, it really shows the power of like this kind of humor and, and theater to 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 do something sort of complicated like that. Like it's a clown show. And yet to me, like there was something like almost painfully true about this moment just given yeah because it seems recent. silly that people would be like attacked for being in love mm-hmm. but that's something we've just seen yeah and we see it all the time yeah and what a great way to represent that yeah so i know that's like a little bit of a personal maybe um subjective nature of the theater kind of thing but i think that i wouldn't have arrived there um at that thought were it not for for them being so successful in the work yeah that's right mm-hmm. yeah i felt the same way sort of you know when we talked about arbor Amor, uh, which is also playing at the fringe and the fact that they had, you know, this tree who wants to dance and the tree is obviously shaped differently than like regular people. And, but, but they find ways to involve the tree and they sort of, um, and then see this, the tree can do all these special things. And it reminded me of seeing a propeller dance this mm-hmm. past weekend mm-hmm. and seeing all these performers who are differently abled and all the amazing things they can do that you wouldn't think of mm-hmm. if you weren't in their bodies. And, you know, obviously Arbor Moore is just, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a clown show and can be seen just as that as like a simple little fun thing for kids. But for me, because I have been thinking about those things, I saw other connections to like some more important, like serious things mm-hmm. that we can consider. So it's kind of lovely to see how a clown show in its simplicity can bring out so many complex ideas. Yeah. Less is more folks. Yeah. There's a lesson in that. <laughs> So that was a really great show. I don't. I don't want to um, beat the point to death here. I think it, it's totally worth seeing. It was one of my favorite shows. This Fringe, um, and I think they were really, really good in in, in the work. So that's Barcelona-based company Candex Fly, and uh, Kiva Murphy and Felipe Mendez as the two clowns who love biscuits. Yes, yes, they love biscuits. So if you have biscuits, maybe bring them along, and they'll be just. They'll be, be through. I think wouldn't they? They love it if you just like brought extra biscuits. Well, I felt bad because they gave me a biscuit. <gasps> oh, you got given a biscuit. I did, and I uh, like went to pretend to eat it, and then put it down beside me because I was like, just like momentarily concerned with how many people's hands had touched it. <laughs> they <laughs> biscuits off the floor, dude. I know, and then they they like they were like, eat the biscuit. 
eat the biscuit. I was just like, don't oh, make God, me eat oh, the God. biscuit. And you don't even like desserts, do you? No, I don't. But I was it was just like a little germaphobe moment anyway. I got over it. <laughs> That's funny. All right. So now we're moving on to a real, uh, I would say, fringe mainstay. Oh, but, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I feel terrible because I don't know if I've seen that many of his works. I mean, mm. uh, to my to my uh, in, uh, defense, I have been out of town for a few years, mm. but I obviously have heard so much about Martin Dockery, mm. and I know he has lots of fans, and I was really excited to see these, uh, the, he brought two shows to the Fringe. Uh, one show is a solo show, and the other show is is a one he does with his partner uh, Vanessa Canal, um, and they are they are a great team. Oh, oh yeah, my lord! And I missed the show last year. What was it called? Moonlight, Moonlight after, after Midnight. midnight. Did we're, you see it? Oh my god, yes. Okay, so to you this know day, what you're it was about. like one of the most moving, bizarre arrangements of theater that I've ever seen in my yeah. life. It was so beautiful. And someone so said to beautiful. me like, "Oh, you can buy the DVD," and I'm like. It's not only almost the same as seeing it live. Mm. I I just hope they bring it back one day. So yeah. Martin, if you're listening, please bring back that show. Like, give me a personal show in my living room. I don't yeah. care. Just I mean, me. you know, I, you say that. I think that that fringe did bring them back for like a winter show. I know. I was in Toronto. Like, oh, I, there just, you go. I you missed just it, have it twice. To miss it okay. I just I have terrible luck. So, but I did go see both his shows on the same day. Uh, this week. So um, the first one I saw was the Exclusion Zone, and this is a storytelling piece that is like the narrative is all over the place and I kind of love that like he was just breaking all the rules because he knows the rules so he can break them so it's fine and basically the story is well the story is (laughs) how he talks about um reading this book called Zona which he loves by a writer that he loves and the and the book is about a movie a film called Stalker, which is an obscure Russian film, which is about three hours long, that the writer of this book loves. So it's sort of like a uh, a performer doing a play about a book, and the book is written about a film that the... You, you get it. There's yeah. like there's like a series of love in there, and uh, an admiration. Uh, and so imagine if you like, like had, I don't know, what's your favorite movie? Do you have a favorite movie? Oh, I don't know. Probably Royal Tenenbaums. So imagine you wrote like an entire fucking book on the Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Could you, could you imagine doing that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, right. Easily. So this, this guy's on the same thing about this really weird Russian film, which is, like, filmed in color, but, like, colored with black and white, if you know what I mean. Like, it's okay. just made to be black and white. Yes. And um, and it's about, you know, going into this area that's been sort of, like, fenced off in this in this town, um, and and how, like... The tour guide is leading a couple of people who don't have names. They are writer and professor. And the tour guide is just called the stalker. And he brings them through this into this world. And how it's like the slowest movie imaginable. And the funny thing is a friend of mine has actually... So in the in the performance, Martin asks around, has anyone actually seen this film? And generally speaking, people say don't say anything because they haven't. Uh, but my friend had actually seen this film, Whoa. and she—it's her favorite film. Come on! <laughs> and he spends the entire time making fun of it. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. And so is she, it called the Exclusion Zone? No, it's it, his play is called the Exclusion Zone. This film is called Stalker, or okay. however Russian people say Stalker. Okay. Yeah. 
So it just kind of, like, she had a totally different experience from everyone else because yeah. she actually had seen the film. Because he funny. goes into a lot of detail about what happens in the film, mm-hmm. which is nothing. Like, very, very little happens. Like, there's no action. One of those. Right? Yeah. And so, like, so that's hilarious. And basically, and he's also talking about the story that when, when he goes traveling in Europe and he goes to a similar type of exclusion zone and how also nothing happens to him. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole idea of, like, nothing happening. But when nothing ah. happens, what happens? And are you inspired? If you're, like, looking for, for inspiration, nothing happens. Can you still be inspired? And Interesting. You still may, and the pressure of, like making a show out of this experience, but nothing happens. And so what do you do? And so he goes through this, this performance with this like frantic, like storytelling voice. And he goes into experience with burning man. And so like all these different things have happened to him and they're all related and you don't quite see how they're related mm. until he gets to the end. <gasps> and it's like, it's such a fun little puzzle to put together. And uh, he's just, it's 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 a weird show, but it's lovely, and he's engaging, and he's fun, and he and he pokes fun at himself. He talks about, oh no no, I definitely have seen one of his shows. He went on talking about like these crazy drug adventures he had, and then how he like went down this hill on a motorcycle or something. Anyway, I, I remember that. Okay, uh, so that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> have I seen one of his shows? Yes, I did three years ago. Thank you. Sorry, I think. When I used to go see Fringe shows, I saw so many it was hard to keep track. Oh, and they all got kind of like in my mind. Yeah. But I do remember him, and he's a fantastic storyteller. So yeah, totally. Yes. And that was true of the exclusion zone. As well. Yes, it was. Yeah. I'm, I feel like I'm rambling. But no, anyway. no, no, no. Well, God. I, well, yeah. life imitates art. So no, no, I think like, <laughs> I think he's he sparked is, that. He is giving me this energy right now. <laughs> this is what's happening. So I'm t- going to my own storytelling. Like Bleh. so, so there's that one. So I mean, yeah, just go see it because it's hilarious. And I really think. Um, and again, this friend who loves this film was saying we should really screen it. We should screen stalker at the by or something so everybody who sees martin's show can go see stalker uh, afterwards and sit through this three hours of like nothingness <laughs> that sounds like wonderful awful there must be some word that we should just... have it like just like maybe screened up against the wall of the saw gallery on the last side of the fringe like just while we're all partying there you go there i think it'd be really really funny yeah con- yeah I so like yeah that. that's 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 that show um the other one um as he says after because after the show he was like come see my next show it's totally different i promise and it was actually totally different it was it's a two-hander right so between uh, martin and his partner vanessa so martin wrote the show vanessa dramaturged it and they both perform it. And again, I don't think they had a director. I don't think any of these shows we talked about had a director, hmm. which is interesting. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, so uh, do they need one? Who knows? Some people do, some people don't. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so this is called Love is a Battlefield. And I don't want to tell you anything about it because I went in knowing nothing. And the show starts one way and then it goes in a totally different direction. And then all these different things happen. And there's all these twists and turns. And I was like fully full throttle engaged in it mm-hmm. and uh, i mean they make a great team i'm sure you know from the last show they did together yeah that sounds like classic yeah, yeah. and i think i think them. they like they have a rhythm that people are getting to know like mm-hmm. i don't know if their rhythm changes from show to show yeah you know uh, another another uh, person i spoke to who has seen both a couple of their performances okay. or at least at least two was saying that they definitely have like he was sort of imitating the rhythm that they have which is quite funny mm-hmm. um and uh yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I don't yeah. even want to try and, doing and it. And this ability to pull something out of left field, sort mm-hmm. of like it's like prestidigitation somehow. Like you think it's the one one thing, yes, and then it's totally something else. Yes, yeah. And I mean, in terms of plot, like it goes to pretty intense, somewhat unbelievable places. But because they are so convincing as characters, um, I just went there with them. And, yeah. Um, and the, their, the ending is is painful because you don't know what happens. Okay. All right. Well, that's this, a teaser. This sucks. Heard one. I can't talk about the show. Like, I this really can't. Like I wonder when it. that one's playing until. Uh, I think till the end of the week as well. Okay. 
Yeah. I mean, just look, if you go to ottawafringe.ca, you can, you can look at the schedule section yeah. and see what's playing for the next few days and do look out for these shows. These are yeah. all shows that, yeah, this that, is uh, just a handful that we were like particularly drawn to, yeah, yeah, but yeah. there are others that are getting a, a great amount of buzz. Um, so, so do check out, I, I mean, I've been following the odd fringe hashtag yep. and it's been like really uh, helpful to narrow in on, on yeah, some interesting things. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen it yet, but I am going to see, uh, Magic Unicorn Islands tonight. That's, uh, yes. that's, uh, Jason's new show. So do check that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's plenty to see, but do, do like, you know, read the reviews or just go, go take your chances. Yeah. I feel like that I was speaking to Kier Cutler. And he was talking about this idea of like reviewing the fringe and how it's, it's kind of outside of the fringe spirit from his perspective in a way, because it's like people who are true fringers don't really like they could find something good in everything was his idea. Like they, they are doing the experience of like seeing these shows. And, and so the, the value proposition doesn't have to necessarily be they very They find high. something good in every show. I mean, I would debate that that's Cat, absolutely okay. Here, Cutler, I'm sorry. There are some really bad shows out there. <laughs> I, I okay, I've but I just it. thought it was an interesting yeah. idea because it was like you know it's true in a like the, it just depends how you fringe. I'm like a fringe light type of person. I want to find things that are like either local actors that I could see their work a little bit more, or like just something really cool that like leverages the power of this medium. Really yeah. approaches it as a medium. What are its limitations? What are its strengths? And and work for that. Yeah. 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 I fully admit that I, I, I do try to avoid the bad shows. I do listen <laughs> to their people and I take their recommendations and. Um, I have walked out of a show. I'm very sorry about that. But I I just feel like if I'm not enjoying myself, I don't want to submit my bad attitude to the the environment. So that's, that's all. Um, one thing I did want to talk about just briefly is, is the idea of, I guess the idea of uh, anything goes in the fringe. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and we talk about the good, the bad and the ugly, or Mm -hmm. just sort of the messed up kind of things. And like, and the idea of experimentation. And there's, there are a couple shows that I've seen that I just, I start to question what the creators are putting forth and why they're choosing to put this forth. I mean, some people go out and they want to do just like a fun, you know, thing with their friends, but I did see a couple of shows and maybe you did as well that I found um, offensive. And maybe it's easy to say that you find things offensive because um, it's, it is easy to say that, isn't it? Like, Oh, maybe you're too sensitive or whatever else. But I found I, I went to some shows that were making some really bad rape jokes, mm-hmm. and I went to a show that was making a really racist jokes about Chinese people or about Mexican people to seemingly no end except to make a make a joke, and I didn't quite know what to do with that mm-hmm. because I knew some of the people involved; they're absolutely lovely people, um, and yet I was seeing this show that I I could not see any value in, mm-hmm. and uh, and I found it maybe. I found it upsetting, but I don't know if I had a right to, because again, Fringe is a place where people sort of put anything out there. And I mean, some of the the work that we consider part of the canon of great literature um, really show some, some really stark racism, Mm -hmm. um, especially from like a modern perspective. And yet they stand the test of time. And and in fact, they speak to a place in time. So there's some argument to be made for leveraging things like, um, um, like sexual abuse maybe in the workplace or like flat out racism or those kind of things if they have a certain historical context maybe that's the merit but I don't think that's what you're talking about I think you're talking about like 
jokes for the sake of... Yeah, I'm seeing, like, these brand new shows that have come out, and these are the jokes they're choosing to make, and this is the content they're choosing to put out on stage. Yeah. And I guess I'm just not sure how to address that. Like, how do you talk about that in a review? How do you talk about that to people who are, um, you know, your friends and colleagues? Yeah. It's, uh, it's a tricky thing. Yeah, it's it's like total weird and wonderful territory with fringe Mm -hmm. and and like I I always think when I approach things critically as a reviewer that I don't mince words for the sake of it being maybe uh new artists new writing um I think I'm maybe a little bit more not forgiving but mindful of like younger creators but I think if you are you know putting the the work up using the testing grounds of fringe part of that is being able to stand up to to some critical opinions of your shows i don't think that's a bad thing i think that's a, a it ensures the the continued successes of things like fringe yeah festivals. i totally agree and i feel like that's that's an encouraging thing to mm-hmm. think that oh people are giving you good honest feedback on your work and yeah. things you can take away and it's this yeah. open discussion i think i'd love to see more of that so i'm yeah. i'm really glad that like fully fringe for instance is yeah. reviewing all the shows and, yeah. and doing that and of course yeah. like you know capital critics having their review site mm-hmm. and new ottawa critics there's lots of things to read and see so yes absolutely very grateful for that yeah so i think yeah please just go and see fringe shows go have a great time it's on yeah. until sunday and on sunday you'll have the best of the fringe in all the all the main venues so check that out and stay tuned we've got a preview for another festival coming up um over in perth so stay tuned for that So as promised, we have a preview for another theater festival. This is called the Classical Theater Festival. It, it runs from June 24th until September 11th, so pretty much through the summer up until the autumn in Perth. So if you have a chance, please drive over and check out uh, the following shows. So you have Neil Simon's I Ought to Be in Pictures. It's a heartfelt 1979 comedy about a father and daughter rebuilding a relationship after years of disconnection. That opens the season, and it's followed by George Bernard Shaw's Arms and the Man that satirizes the futility of war. And then their closing play is J.B. Priestley's mystery thriller An Inspector Calls, in which a body has been found and everyone is suspect. So uh, do there's lots of great theater happening in all sort of the you know the Ottawa Valley areas over the summer. So if you have a car, you have access to a car, go take a drive and see what you can find. Yeah, absolutely. And other than that, the fringe is continuing on until this coming weekend. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay tuned for next Monday with a conversation with Nancy Kenny. Thank you.